This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result... You'll always be winning with muck delivery, just like Leicester City this season. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, Matt Elliott here. Hi, Alan Smith here. Hey guys, Ian Hume here. Hi everybody, Jerry Taggart here. Be sure to watch. Chris and Leicester Till I Die TV for all the latest Leicester City news and information. You can also subscribe on YouTube and various social media channels for the latest updates and news on Leicester City Football Club. Come on, you foxes! Or what then? Or what the back? How the devil are we all? Well, I hope. Um, <laughs> good news. Whatever happens this weekend, we're not going to uh, lose the lead again, are we? <laughs> we're not going to lose. You know, always look on the bright side of life. That's what I say. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, thank you very much. Please make sure you've clicked that um, subscribe button and uh, smash the likes on the video. It all helps the channel. And if you are listening on Catch Up on podcast, 
then thank you very much. Uh, Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Google, podcast addict to name but a few. We are on all the main podcast platforms. Thank you for watching and listening. This is where you can find us. on your favourite podcast platform or ask your smart speaker to play the podcast Lester Till I Die. Subscribe, like, follow and join in now. Yeah, we are everywhere. Like a bad rash. Um, do you want some good news? This is... Leicester City FC on this day in history with Leicester Till I Die TV. Yeah, I thought I'd start off with some good news. 26th of January, 1991, and both my guests are way too young to remember that. Unfortunately, I do remember it. The David Pleat years. Oh, God, they were bad. <laughs> you think it's bad at the moment. Go and ask your dad, kids. David Pleat years. But on this day in 1991, the 26th of January, a 3-1 defeat at Filbert Street against Blackburn Rovers spelled the end of David Pleat's spell as manager of Leicester City. David Kelly scored City's goal and supporters protested as the Fox crashed to a defeat that left them in deep trouble at the bottom of Division 2. So, the good news was we got rid of Pleat. It was never, never a good choice. This is Lester Till I Die, and it's uh, the Across the Pond show, and we'll be bringing our guests in straight after this. Ladies and gentlemen, Ladies and gentlemen it's time for the main event, the main event of the evening. Of the evening. 60 minutes of minutes football of fun and banter, banter with Chris and Lester Till I Die TV. Are you ready? Ready? Let's get Let's start by saying hi to Zach, our Canadian Fox friend. Good evening, sir. How are you? No, I'm it's the... Alex. <laughs> no, I'm not doing too bad. How about yourself? Well, obviously not very well because I can't I can't read. And <laughs> right I, tell you what, I should I should do this, shouldn't I? And then um, where are we? Then then I, then I'll remember. <laughs> it's my age. <laughs> it was the shock of reading about David Pleat, you see. That was the problem. You're, you're too young to remember those years. Yeah, no, unfortunately. Well, fortunately, I am. I'm, you know, I was born in 93, so it was a few years before I was even uh, even born. So, um, you know, it's kind of a was. positive, I think. <laughs> it was. And it was, it was not the best of years. It's not the best of years. So if I can get this gentleman's name right, um, Zach. <laughs> this is Zach. I knew, I knew we had a Zach coming in. Zach, who is our American Fox. Good evening, Zach. How are you? Doing pretty well, guys. How are you doing? Not too bad. Not too bad. You had an outbreak of COVID, I think, where you worked, didn't you? Yeah. It's just, just that being in the restaurant industry, you have, if one person gets sick, then some other team members will get sick. And then, yeah. if, let's say, one person goes from one store to another, they get sick, and with my region having a lot of factory towns um to where it's like someone has a family that works in a factory then they have their outbreaks and it's just all just a huge giant mess right well that leads us very much into the start because it is our monthly review so we're going to look back at the games in a second and then we'll end up with um the transfer window or, or the lack of the transfer window uh mm -hmm. this year but i want to start off and talk covid because obviously 
although it's it has affected this season. I mean, there's, there's over twenty games now that are um, still to be played. I mean, you look at the table, and it, it's a total and utter waste of time because. Burnley have played 17, somebody else have played 23. We've got a couple of games in hand, so the table's not worth looking at. I mean, do you think the way... I'll start with you, Alex. Do you think the, the way the FA have handled this is bad? I mean, I know they're looking at it again, but it's, it's been a bit of a joke, hasn't it? I would say it's extremely disorganised. Um, mm. The way I kind of view it is that it's we're the year two of this in this pandemic. It's not like this is like two weeks old. You know, we've we've dealt yeah. with this for some time. So you'd expect that they'd have some sort of plan in place. And I think that's the more frustrating thing. Because like you said, you look at the table and really it's it's not even useful to look at because there's so many disjointed games all over the place. You know, like you said, Burnley's only played like 17 or 18 games, whereas other yeah. clubs have played like 23 games. So you can't really get a fair assessment as to who is where in the table because it could change in a matter of a week. And that's just for, you know, clubs catching up. Mm. Um, I'm definitely critical of it because I feel like they've had the opportunity that they could have fixed it. Um, and it's frustrating for fans and supporters because there's been games that have been canceled within the hours of, you know, of yeah. the game kicking off. And, you know, for myself personally, if that happened over here in Canada, I'd be frustrated because, you know, traveling to some of these matches, you know, is not like a 30 minute drive. You know, some fans are traveling across the country in order to see these games and then finding out, you know, a few hours prior to the game that it's been canceled. It's it's a lot of money on, you know, on the, on the supporters. And, you know, that's yeah. that's a huge that's affecting the fan bases. So, you know, if I'm them, they need to come up with a concrete, concrete plan that's going to stick. So that's my uh, that's my two cents on it. Zach, I mean, they've made some changes today. I think they've, they've come out and said that we need to teams need to have at least four COVID nineteen cases to get matches called off, and and certain managers have accused other teams of, of using it to to their advantage. Do you think do you think some teams have been a little bit creative with with their with their numbers? Yes, um, I personally feel that with some of the clubs that had their batches postponed and then all of a sudden they're going to go and use some of their players that might not have tested positive and go, oh, we're going to put this person out on loan. We're going to go and sell this pl sell this player. And so they can say, well, we don't have enough fit players because either everyone's out sick or they're on international duty with uh, AFCON. And it's just it's just a nightmare that some yeah. clubs are able to kind of get away with some things uh, while some other clubs that if they can try to go play some fixtures, they're told, Oh, you can't because this person's not registered. This person's on the Academy team. And it's just, there's a lot of inconsistency. Um, and I feel like too, that with the premier league, they should have looked at the other leagues in the world and go, okay, this is what's working for the Bundesliga. This is what we're working for La Liga. Let's see what we can try to do to help format our situation to figure out, okay, how many players can be out before we have a match postponed and who can call for a match to be postponed. And yeah. I just felt like that each case is so different. And do you think, I mean, it, it's kind of a work for us, but Alex, obviously when we now play games, we're going to have players back that weren't available when when the original match was go, you know going to be played so we might ha well we should have say James Justin back who is going to be a big plus for us well he wasn't available let's say the first you know and when we should have played the game originally 
And I know Ralph Hoosnauer, the, the Southampton manager, suggested that the games that are played should be played with the same players that would have been available had they not had COVID at that particular point. And I think that's that's quite a good idea. See, I'm 50-50 on that because you can't really you can't really predict as to what your club's you know your squad's going to look like on the on the new set dates. Mm. You know, we could be talking about you know, yeah, we're missing James Justin back then, but like, who's to say, you know, in the next week or so, you know, with international duties and just training in, in general, you know, we could lose three players, and all of yeah. a sudden, you know, we're going into that match, and you know, the other ma- managers like, well, these aren't the players that were fit for, uh, you know, would have been fit for the match that was postponed, but you know, Brendan Rodgers and, and company could come back being like, yeah, but we're missing Jamie Vardy, we're missing Pats and Dapa, we're missing. Yuri Tillemans and oh, Casper Schmeichel is also out too, you know, but they were yeah. fully fit prior, you know, prior to the postponement. So I feel like it goes hand in hand. Um, mm. There are some positives when I look at it, but at the end of the day, you know, there seems to be so many new ways that managers and clubs are trying to cancel games. And in a non-pandemic world, you know, I think that this wouldn't even be a question. You know, you, if you had a couple players out to the flu, a few out to injury, a few out to AFCON, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you know, you know the Premier League wouldn't be like, well, we're going to have to postpone these matches. They'd be like, you have the players, maybe they're in your academy, you know, we're mm-hmm. going to keep going with this. And I feel like, I feel like in such a, condensed season and a condensed year there's so many games between premier league and international and you have the world cup at the end of the year it's just you you can't take um a chance on more postponements and trying to macgyver certain ways you just gotta just roll with the punches so as much as i see there's um positives in it i feel like you know just you gotta let the players play when the games are available because at this rate you know i think there's just gonna be more injury issues at that rate good point made there zach by by alex um i mean if clubs are being a little bit underhand there they're not helping themselves because like we've had a couple of games postponed um we've played one which we'll talk about in a, in a bit unfortunately we've still got a couple to catch up on but we've got europe around the corner as well so all these clubs are doing is literally adding you know because we can't well maybe we can extend the season but we you know the players need to have a proper rest we've we've seen last uh, last year that if they don't have a full full you know off season then it, it's not good for them so all they're doing is, is causing their own fixture pile up I, I agree. Um, it's just that with um, not only with this is obviously we're going to be looking at this later on today, but it's just with having all these we've having four to five fixtures of ours for the Premier League being either rescheduled for, let's say, COVID or for um, other competitions. It's it's going to cause a fixture um, c- condescension around the end of end of April and of May and it's going to be just hard on everybody and I know with us having two European matches coming next coming in February it's just going to make things even worse um trying to think here um and just I really think that if more matches are postponed I just really don't know if the Premier League's going to go and try to extend especially with what you mentioned with the World Cup being in later of the year instead of the traditional summer. Yeah. 
One of the things that I thought, Alex, was, um, and again, I'll, we'll touch on this when we, we look at the Watford game, is, you know, the, the FA say, right, you've got to register 25-odd players and it's only those 25 players you can use. Funny enough, when we came to the, the FA Cup, you could suddenly use any player you wanted. You know, could, could the Premier League not, in, if you like, um just say, right, you know, you can register five more players, but they've all got to be from your academy or something. You know, that's that's another way around it, surely. Yeah, and you know what? It kind of reminds me of what the NHL did over here in, in North America. So what they eventually did was with with the pandemic is they created this thing called the taxi squad. And the taxi squad was like all was an additional set of uh, of a group of players that could be brought in at a moment's notice. So say, right. you know, a player or two contracted the virus, you know, they wouldn't be you know, panicking at the last moment being like, yo, we just lost two players. We need to get these two players in. They'd be like, we have a set a group of players set aside, ready to go. We're just going to pull them off the taxi squad and bring them in. I think that would be a great addition to the, the Premier League and or like just to football in general until this whole thing is sorted out. Because, yeah. you know, if you have five players, let's use five players per se, you know, like you mentioned, you know, on this taxi squad. And you find out two players test positive the day before the match. There's no panic. You go, okay, you and you, you guys are going to come in. There's no headache. There's no fear. Even if four test positive, you just bring the four in. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, it's a simple fix to an issue that, you know, like I said, could have, could easily be avoided. And it's just, you kind of wish that the FA and, you know, and all that, they just kind of thought about this months in advance it just seems like yeah. it's ironic that all these issues have still are still occurring so far into this pandemic funny thing is Zach, and I, you know everybody's having to go at arsenal saying like oh they said they've got no midfielders and yet they then go and loan um Nathan miles out but we yeah. had the same thing with benkovic you know we were saying we've got no no defenders available and all right whether he's good bad that's that's another story he was with us at the time and yes he wasn't registered but he couldn't even get on the bench. We had two. We had two goalkeepers on the bench. I think it was for the Watford game. He couldn't even make it onto that. So it, 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 there's so many grey areas, isn't there? Yes, and um, not only with just us, it's just like it feels like with the, some of the moves that we've done to say we're going to put this person out on loan, we're going to go and allow this player to go do this. It's just it, despite all of our injuries, uh, despite with everything that's going on, I just found the, the moves to be just very confusing. It's like, why can't we just use them? Even if let's say they're not the kind of caliber that we're used to, or yeah. they're, let's say they're not on the same level as let's say like a Fafana, it's still something for us to try. Yeah. I did yeah. see a stat earlier today that from the time of the start of the season to now we tried over third, 20 to 30 uh, defensive pairings um, in matches in all competitions, and it's just completely wild. Yes, yeah. I mean we'll, we'll come on to talk about certain players in that position later, but it is it it is like I say, totally totally weird. But I get why the the Premier League have, have said sort of Alex, like you've got to name twenty five because if you think look at Manchester City or Chelsea, I mean Chelsea have probably got more than twenty five players out on loan. You know, it would give them an advantage if they could play any of their squad at any time against a team like Norwich, who couldn't afford that sort of size squad. Yeah, you know what? That I do agree with that because it really, 
it doesn't really handicap any of the teams, any of the mm. clubs, but what it does is that it makes it relatively fair. Because like yeah. you say, like Man City could just go out there and be like, we're going to buy five new players and we're just going to have them. You know, they're just yeah. going to practice with the club, but they might not play, you know, and they're going to make bank. And, you know, Norwich is going to be like, <laughs> we have 25 players. Um, we might be able to afford one more, but that's a big maybe. So I feel like it just kind of equals the playing fields in the sense of, yeah. of man, you know, uh, on manpower in a sense, like not yeah. on quality, because let's be serious, Man City or Chelsea are far more superior than Norwich. But it just kind of levels the playing fields in, in that scenario, like man manpower wise. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've, I've put it off as long as I can do, guys. But we've really got to take a look at look at the month. And uh, <laughs> thankfully, there wasn't many games played. But those that were, yeah, let's just say it tested um, tested our moods, didn't it? Uh, and thanks to um, thanks to Zach for doing this uh, particular um, graphic for me. Uh, but we, um, it just shows there that we had. Um, I don't know if you guys can see that on your screens, um, okay or not, but we actually had um, three games postponed, and we played three. Um, started off with a uh, postponement on the. Uh, it should be the first uh, of January. That's my fault there. That's, I, I was looking. At, I was saying Norwich. I, I, I saw it was Norwich, and I hadn't even noticed the twenty third. Yeah, I. Yeah, yeah. I, I it's like I sent the correct graphic on, on Twitter, but I forgot the email, so that's on me, guys. So I apologize for that. But yes, it was supposed no, to say January first for Norwich um, at the King Power. Yeah, no, that's fine. I, I, obviously, I thought I was drunk then, but I'm not. Uh, we we had obviously the the the, the Watford win, a uh, couple of postponements there. Uh, poor Burnley. I think I don't know whether I think this is Burnley's idea of how they're going to stay up is that they're going to still be playing, still be playing their games in two years' time. So we can't get relegated. We've not played all the games yet. Uh, and then unfortunately, we did we did play a couple of games. But uh, Zach, coming to you first. I mean, Watford. It was a potential banana skin in the FA Cup. Um, the return again of Ranieri, who of course is no longer at at Watford. Um, and we did have a full squad out there, but it was made up of uh, a lot of youth. I think we finished the game with six youth players uh, or, or academy players on the pitch, but they did us proud. Yes, it's, um, it's like with it being the first um, FA Cup match that we played since winning the title, um, it was one of those games that we have to go and not only just win, but also win in a dominated fashion to show that our winning of the FA Cup last season was not a fluke. Yeah. Um, and with it being at the King Power against Claudio, um, it was definitely one of those moments that it was definitely bittersweet to kind of see Claudio on the other side of the technical area, mm -hmm. especially since it's our first, our second time seeing Claudio um, at the King Power this year. Um but with having all those academy uh, players uh, did well, only conceding one, and just and just it felt like a complete game almost. Uh, besides not having a clean sheet, and it kind of gives us a little glimpse into the future of okay, if let's say we lose Telemans, we got this guy in place. Let's say if uh, this player does not step up like we thought we were, 
then we know, okay, then we can take a look at this guy and just develop him for the future. Yeah. I I, I did my my Tuesday blog following that uh, game for the BBC. If you go on the BBC website, it's uh, they call it the Tuesday talking point, and I do it sort of three out of four weeks uh, a month. And I said then, Alex, that the future's bright, the future's blue. I mean, you you know, I know you can say, well, it was only Watford or whatever, but they were a Premier League team. And our youth players are out there. And our youth players put a lot, or not a lot, that's, that's being unfair, but our youth players, they put a certain couple of uh, full-time pros to shame. Yeah, and I think when you look at, like, you know, our our young, the young talent coming up within our ranks in the squad, it's it's super promising. Because you look at like players like Brunt, who you know did excellent in my opinion. So yeah. you got him, and like you know, I think everyone tends to forget how young Luke Thomas is. You know, he's he's young. You know, Dewsbury Hall is young. He's got, he's just incredible. But one of my favorites, and I know he didn't play much, but it was Will Alves, and he's 16 years old, and he comes on in the match. And I actually yeah. tweeted out uh, during the game. I'm like, 16 year old Will Alves is, is coming on to play in his debut for Leicester City. I said, "What were you doing at the age of 16?" I'm like, "For me, I was definitely not doing this." No, so no. I think it's incredible because, like you said, the future is bright. You know, I think mm. one thing that Leicester is so good at doing is developing young talent, and it's just this is just another case of you know just proving that it's true because. I think in the in the next couple of years you're going to see these young talents coming into you know the squad you know after a few loan spells and I think they're really going to help change change the landscape of the of the club. Zach, I mean, to me, uh, those that follow me on, on my shows will know my thoughts on a certain Spaniard that that plays for us. But I mean, he got he got taken off and replaced by by an academy player, and to me. I said at the start, you know, certain players were showing up and he was one of them. And those youngsters, they've looked at it and, and said, this is our chance. And I don't know what it is with Perez, but is, is his time coming to an end, do you think, at Leicester? I think so. Um, it's, I definitely think that his time is coming to an end. I just don't know if we're going to be seeing him go, let's say, this summer window or with the next year. But I just think with his performance in the FA Cup match, it's it's beginning to the end. Yes, yes. Um, Neil, good evening. How are you? Uh, you stolen Alex Chris. Haven't stolen him. He's just out on loan. You know, but he's coming back. Uh, I, it, this means war. It, um, well, don't don't send uh, don't send Ant for me because I'll never see him coming if he comes at me behind a wall. And, um, Mike says, uh, "Good evening, Mike. How the devil are you, sir?" Um, it's <laughs> put me off what I was going to say now, Neil. Um, the, 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 I mean, a lot of people have said, and a lot of people have started after another game we're going to look at in a bit about Tielemans, and he's going. I think we've got to accept the fact if he was going to sign a new contract, he would have done it within 12 months we've been talking to him. He is going to go. I don't think he'll go in this window. I think he'll stay until the summer because I think he wants to go. He wants to go for Champions League football. And to be honest with you, I will wish him all the best because, you know, that's what he wants to do. He wants to better himself. And I don't think he's going to say, yes, I'm going to go to Man United because 
that he doesn't know if they're going to get Champions League football or not. So that's how I think he'll wait till the end of the season. But he's, he, he got this game off with the penalty. And I, I don't think he's, he's, he's showing any less enthusiasm because he's not signed this contract than he would. A few games at the back end of last season, I mean, he, he, he went absolutely mad and shaking his fist because he'd won a throw-in. Yeah, and you know what? I think with Yuri, it's um, one thing with Yuri is that I think he, he loves the club. And I, as much as we all know he's probably going to end up leaving, I know that yeah. he puts in 100% every single time he steps onto the pitch. So, you know, that's the one thing I think that every single supporter loves about Heelman's is that, you know, he's dedicated 100% every time he steps foot onto the, onto the field. And that's just something that you really, really do appreciate in a player because you don't get yeah. that from everyone. And, you know, like you kind of mentioned, we all know he's going to leave. It's, yeah. It sucks to say because he's a great player. Uh, he's definitely a fan favorite, but, you know, that's just part of the game. And, you know, no matter where he goes, I feel like he's going to get that support from, you know, Leicester City, you know, fans, you know, across the globe. And, you know, he, he's brought some incredible memories and, to the club and, you know, delivering mm-hmm. an FA Cup is one of many. But, uh, you know, wherever he ends up, it, it, it's where he, he goes. And, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, not going to get all frustrated about him leaving because we all kind of suspect it's, it's going to happen one way or yeah. another. Definitely in the summer, I don't think it's going to happen now unless someone no. offers up like 400 billion pounds. Yeah, no, I, I agree totally. But Zach, I mean, if you know people that are moaning about how Telemans or that in their eyes that he's not performing, I mean, look how Mares left. You know, he he, he was a, he was having a strop. He'd camped out at Paris Airport in case his agent rang and said, "Get on a flight to here because they want to sign you." You know, he, he was off with, and I'm not decrying, you know, anybody's health problems, but you know, he 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 wasn't up to playing, so he, he missed two or three games, which may have cost us Europe that season. Mm-hmm. I just I just think players. I mean, the guy wasn't born in Leicester. We shouldn't expect he hasn't got any loyalty to Leicester. It's a job to them, and all I want to do is say to players, while you're here, give us your 110%, and when you leave, leave with dignity. Mares didn't. Drinkwater didn't. You know, Canty was a little bit, you know, it was all he could do to eventually pen a thank you letter. You know? uh, and, and, and I'm thinking, like, if he goes and he goes in a nice way, we'll, we'll always love him and appreciate him. Yes, I agree with you on that. Just to kind of touch on what Alex says. says, Delivering an FA Cup is going to be a memory that a lot of us are going to remember about Telemans, um, no matter what window he leaves. But but I really think that he is giving his all, uh, despite um, some of the performances on the pitch, like as a whole, as a team. Um, But... um, yeah, no, I, I agree totally. Uh, and the good thing about this win was, of course, that we didn't become the first holders to get knocked out at the first stage um, since Arsenal. So Arsenal still hold that record. Hey, <laughs> Arsenal. Um, <laughs> we've not taken that off you. So we thought, and we've got a, an East Midlands derby. We've not had one of those for a long time. Forest in a couple of weeks. That's that's gonna be exciting. Uh, yeah. I, I'm trying to remain optimistic on it because of our play, our recent you know run of form. So mm. try to remain optimistic, but you know it's gonna be an exciting game nonetheless. Again, now again, come back to you then, Zach. 
Yes, I know. I know totally what Alex says there. But sometimes it's how you approach the cups. And if you look at this as a bit of a distraction from our league form, which isn't, which isn't bad. And we've got you know it's bad. You know, as we look at it and think, yep, this is bad. We've still got eighteen games to play, which is virtually half, half the season. But we can look at these sort of things, and if we can win a few games in the cup, it will buoy us up, won't it? Yes, and also just uh, just as a prestige point, because if mm. let's say we did not win the FA Cup last year. Um, and we advance through the rounds and leave in the, uh, let's say, the quarters. It would be seen as, okay, well, Leicester tried and we just didn't advance. With us being the title holders, um, it's added a little bit more pressure to not only to the squad, but to the brand and to everybody to say, hey, we are defending this trophy that we haven't won since we were founded. We have to show up more for these cup matches, regardless of, let's say, who we have on the squad, where we're going again, where we're going, who we're facing. And I think with now the next uh, cup tie against uh, Forrest, it's definitely heightened that sense of urgency of we have to do something. We have to show that we're not just going to be a one-off win one or two matches and then that's it. Yeah. Uh, we have to have a good defense, and that also will help us with, okay, we know what to expect against other competitions. Let's see what this can translate to the later end of the season to see uh, we can try out some new players, but also just in Europe, Europe all the t- together. Yeah. Since we're already out of the Carabao, it's just this is some of a few opportunities to win a trophy this season. Unfortunately, I've got to play this because – as much as I'm not wanting to look forward to talking about the month, I really didn't want to talk about this game. So I've got to give this a... Because our first game of the year in the Premier League, Leicester City 2, Tottenham Hotspur 3. I I was absolutely fuming. And what made it worse was the fact that when I'm watching the game live, I've got it on because it's on a stick in, in, in my lounge. And I do all this in, a, in, if you like, my man cave, if you like, with all my Leicester stuff up. And I'd come in at the end of the game and I was tapping at the fact that we'd won and I was getting everything ready to go and I could hear the the, the, the noise from the telly. And I was still putting the game thing up saying we were 2-1, you know, and we've got the three points. And it had gone to three. I went back in just to double check and it was 3-2. And I'm like, what? I mean... We lose to Tottenham. I think I said before to you, Alex, you know, I, you know, I get losing. It's part of the game. And, and Tottenham are sort of our bogey club like Arsenal used to be. But to lose in that way. I, I, I don't know if I've been that upset about a result. I was between I I literally went through the five stages of, of, of grief in like a span of like 40 seconds. And then I just reverted back to anger. And like I stayed at anger for probably like a good solid few hours until I finally hit like the acceptance. And then I mm-hmm. went right back to anger again. Like that's how that result kind of left me. Uh, it was yeah. it's such an infuriating result because you had the three points for the taking and then it was just an absolute utter collapse. And like, I already know that like it reminded, like I I can't remember who I was talking to, but it reminded me of when we watched the Bournemouth, like the Bournemouth game where like you expected to win and you just, you blew it. You're like complete bottle job. 
So like this match, like I, I don't even like trying to like remain calm because even like talking about it, it's just like, oh, <laughs> it was just yeah. one of those matches. And it's one of those games where I really hope where we can really just forget about it. Like I don't, that's, that's like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to think about it. <laughs> yeah. So many more matches this season to really analyze and whatnot. I really just hope like this is the match this year that we go, we were bad. It was horrible. Let's never speak of it again. And there's a few of those games this season, so it's got to be bad to top that list, really. <laughs> but I mean, I Zach, I, I was, I did, I did sort of. I have a half an hour gap between the match or forty five minutes between the match finishing and going live with the post match show, and that usually gives me time to sort of calm down. Um, I didn't. I'm going to be honest with you. And I went on and I had. I had a good. I've, I've even got a sort of a jingle for it for my for my rants, and <laughs> I went absolutely mad. And Tottenham fans were coming on and going like, "Well, you didn't deserve it. We should have had it. Oh, you're not being very nice, or, or you know, t- taking it, you know, as bad." But I went, "When you lose like that, I can't. I'm not going to come on half an hour later and go, you know what, Spurs, well done, well done on that. You <laughs> I'm just going to say, f off, Spurs, you know." Why could we not have had that referee from Afcon playing that game? <laughs> we'd have stopped at eighty-five minutes, and we'd have gone off to one with up. Uh, so I was working during the uh, Tottenham match. So I, so whenever I got in my car, got to the store I was working at, I figured, yeah. okay, we're up two-one. It'll be calm. Just, just go and just do what I need to go do. Because um, I normally would have, like, let's say, like a radio or something like that, yeah. would kind of like play YouTube audio. And then all of a sudden, I went in. Uh, I had to go grab something out of my walk-in, and when I saw it was three-two at full time, I was like, "What?" Yes. Went back to my walk-in, said a couple things, and then came back out, and I was just fuming for several hours. The other thing too is like I was, I knew as soon as that full-time whistle went, I was expecting a bunch of text messages from some mates of mine that also support Spurs. They were like, so how's that bottle job? Hey, how yeah. hey, is Brendan treating you well? And I was, I was expecting the worst. And yeah. even then I still like absolutely fuming after that match. It's like, how can we throw such a thing like that away? It's like, how can we just utterly collapse in just two minutes? Um, we, I mean, we do hold, we've got a new record though, haven't we, Alex? You know, we, no team has been uh, in front for so long, which was 95 minutes, and then lost the game. <laughs> I don't think it's a record we actually want though. No, it's like one of those records where like someone's trying to hand you the award and you've done everything <laughs> in your power to like reject it. Like, like literally like hiding your arms yeah. in your shirt and being like, I don't have arms, but like they yeah. somehow figured a way to like Velcro it onto your chest. Like that's the type of way that I view this award. It's like the, it's like having a demerit on your, on your head. Like, like congratulations. Boop. Everybody can see it. You can't get rid of it. Like that's yeah. how I feel about that. It is both. Just a quick hello to um, Rene. How are you, sir? Um, welcome along. Thanks for joining us. And Mike uh, is a Man United fan. But apart from that, how are you feeling? You're going to have to take on Reese or uh, Niall in the in the quiz in a couple of weeks. So um, <laughs> it says like, no, right, right. Let's just get this right, Mike. And, and he knows it's a bugbear in mine, and he only says this to, to wind me up. I don't call it the Community Shield; it's the English Super Cup. 
Okay, let's just get that right now. If you're going to mention it on this channel, we call it the English Super Cup. That's what they have in Spain. It's the champions versus the FA Cup winners. Therefore, it is the Super Cup. Um, I think what gets me annoyed, Zach, and I suppose we've sort of brought it on ourselves, but because of the fact that we finished four, you know, we finished fifth two seasons running, having you know been odds on for a top four. That we, we're known as like Brendan's bottlers, and every time we lose a game now, they go and say, Oh, you bottled it again. And I'm like, No, you know, you, you lose a game, it doesn't mean you bottled it, you know. And, and it was a Chelsea fan, and I'm saying, Did you bottle the FA Cup because you lost it? You know, it's but we're kind of, I suppose, <laughs> for a while, we're going to be stuck with that, aren't we? Yes, unfortunately, it's just. It's like, as Alex said, it's like losing happens. It's the matter of how you lose is what really upset us. And and that's how, if if I can say this, it's like that's how me and Alex first met was because we all got together on Twitter after Bournemouth and we were just yeah. fuming and fuming and fuming. <laughs> um, and it still just like brings a sore spot to us all with that Bournemouth match. Yeah. And I think this Spurs match is going to be... I was there, problem. mate. I was there. Don't remind me. <laughs> yeah, it it, 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 it it does. It does, um, totally. We then had... To get over that, I was a bit worried because we got Brighton. And I was a bit worried because I think a lot of people have underestimated Brighton. I, I'm not certainly not climbing onto this, uh, uh, Alex, this um, Graham Potter is the, is the next coming of Jesus, which people seem to have him. Yes, he did something, he won something in, in Sweden, but I don't know how good the Swedish football in the Swedish league mid-table at the moment this season. He's not a bad manager, but he isn't this, I would say, this next England manager at this point, etc., etc. So I was a bit worried, and we'd lost them earlier on in the season, um, that I was about, worried about hosting Brighton. Um Again, Danny Welbeck came back to haunt us. Yeah, you know what? Like, the biggest thing for me is that I've never I, – I don't take a lot of clubs for granted. Like, I really go into matches very optimistic because, especially this season, any club could beat any club. And yeah. I think that's one thing that we've kind of mentioned. Over, it seems like we've mentioned it a few times already today. Um, yeah. But Brighton is one of those clubs, especially this year, where, you know – they're ninth in the table. <laughs> like, let's be serious yeah. here. Like, they're not like in the bottom half. Like, they're better yeah. than us this year. So, you know, you have to give them credit for that. And, you know, going into this match, you know, we we were all hands on deck that first half. Like, we should have yeah. capitalized a few more, at least a few more times. Like, we could have we could have had the game at, at the end of the, the first forty five. But you know, unfortunately, there was no cap. We couldn't capitalize. And, yeah. you know, that second half came out, Dak is scoring in the first minute was, was fantastic. But all of a sudden we parked the bus. Like we really did, you know, we turned it into a back five and just ever since then we just let Brighton attack. And, you know, it made it, honestly, I felt like I was, I wasn't watching Brighton. I felt like I was watching Man City or one of the likes of the top mm. four clubs because they were just all hands on deck, attacking, attacking, attacking. And, you know, when, <laughs> when they eventually, you know, tied it up at that point, I, the, the optimism went to, can we hold on to this? Because yeah. the, the, the rate of our play of late has been like, you know, we're probably going to lose this. And for the last 10 minutes or so, you know, I just ended up sitting there being like, okay, when is it going to happen? 
And without, you know, without Schmeichel and, you know, some very lucky bounces and un, uh, Brighton unable to finish because they had chances and they just couldn't capitalize off of those. You know, we could have easily be talking about, you know, a loss here instead of, you know, pulling out that one point. And at the end of the day, I'll take the point. You know, every point matters right now. Yes. You know? yeah. And, you know, let's hope for, let's, let's, let's just hope that we can somehow turn it around. I know that it, with international duty, you know, it seems like whenever we go on international break, we, we kind of come out the next game and pull out a lemon. So let's hope this time around we, we really turn that around and really are able to capitalize in, in the win category once this international break, you know, ends. Yeah, I mean, I, I you could see once Welbeck had scored that there was that dread coming over the Leicester players, like, my God, is we going to do this again, uh, Zach? But Brendan took a lot of criticism. Um, but always, get, you, know, you know, fans are saying, well, if we go 1-0 up after, you know, 30 minutes, he's trying to defend that lead rather than going for the second goal to kill it off. And I kind of get what they're saying because, you know, the best form of a, uh, of defence is attack. And, you know, we've got one striker, um, Zaku scored a goal and, he, you know, he's on form at the moment. And we've suddenly got him coming off. And you're like... Why? You know, he's not injured or anything like that. He, he does go very defensive too soon. Do you, do you agree with that, Zach? Yes. Um, it's like, especially against Brighton, where we went them in the penalty, we beat them in penalties in the, in the Carabao Cup. We lost to them earlier this year. It's Brighton's always going to be a team that we can never predict, but they also seem to have, um, our number on no matter what the competition is, no matter if it's home or away. And once we went up one nil, it's like, okay, we, we should have had a second one in the first half. We should have mm-hmm. at least put a second goal in just to make sure that at least it's comfortable. If let's say, if we do concede one, it happens, but it's just yeah. once, once we scored and all of a sudden we're going to park the bus. It was just, why are we doing this? Why are we giving Brighton so many opportunities with Welbeck, with uh, Mope, um, giving them opportunities where they're just pepper our goal. And then all of a sudden, just once it went in, I'm thinking, oh, no, not again, not again. I was watching this match with my wife, and she just looked at me and goes, is it going to happen again? I'm like, I hope to God not. (laughs) And just, yes, I'm glad we got a point, but it should have been three. And it was, I I felt like this match was a loss in in my book because it's just how late we just constantly give up goals and just how we just had no answer after the 65th, 70th minute. It it is frustrating uh, and a point probably didn't do do either of us much good. But, you know, at the start of the season, like like you you, you said, Alex, you know, you would look at Brighton and go, that, that should be a game that we should win. And we probably didn't give them or appreciate what a good a season they were going to have. And this season of all, like we, like we said before, on the day, anybody can beat anybody. Um, but I want to move on now to um, <laughs> something that's non, non-existent, uh, I think, as far as we are concerned this year. But uh, we'll do it straight after this. Watch us on YouTube. Listen on your favourite podcast platform. Or ask your smart speaker to play the podcast Lester Till I Die. Subscribe, like, follow and join in now. Yeah, if you are watching on YouTube 
or Facebook, Twitter, get over to YouTube and please, please subscribe. It does help the channel. So, uh, that we're coming on to um, <laughs> the transfer window, which I think is has not even been open for us. We've let a couple of players go. Uh, yes, <laughs> exactly. Uh, out on loan. Now, I, I did put this out on, on Twitter earlier. Um, so, I'm just going to uh, bring it up there. And uh, so after two COVID hit seasons and our owners being in the travel business, the coffers are empty for this window. But players are slowly starting to return from injury. What would you sooner your club do? Take out big loans and put the club in debt or stick with what we have because we know players are going to be coming back, etc. and look at it you know, in the summer for next season. Just short of 79%. And I think it's a sensible option. Stick with what we've got. I don't think I think we've just got to accept this season as being one of those seasons. I agree with you on that. Um, it's like as we were kind of discussing during the pre-show, uh, one of the other big contentions that other supporters have uh, that was expressed online is does is King Power running out of money? Um, mm. Even though yes, Thailand has been hit hard with COVID restrictions and also with just other factors as well. Um, it's tourism starting to come back to Thailand, and yeah. more and more uh, people are going to be traveling overseas to go to the to go to the airports, and King Power is getting the revenue again. But I also believe that they probably learned the lessons of the past, to where they did big signings when they initially bought the club and realized how bad they were, or just. They just don't want to go suffer through another administration process because of this big spending they did, not only for just buying big players, but also with Seagrave uh, and the other financial contributions they made. And I just found out recently that also the King Power ownership has started heavily investing in the Thailand national team, both men's and women's size with training grounds. So they're probably wanting to go and make sure that Leicester can still do what they can as a self-sustaining business and not necessarily just go out and just spend big and just put ourselves in a financial freefall in case, let's say, crowds are not allowed at the grounds again where mm. or something happens to where revenue is just cut drastically more. So it's I think big... by doing what we're doing will be a sensible mm. move. Indeed. Uh, 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 and Alex, I mean, uh, as Zach said there, you know, our owners are in the tourism business. You know, when they're not in oil, you know, um, they're in hotels, they're in airports, and that, as we know, has, has been hit. And I wouldn't want anything, you know, we, we know we've, we've been in administration in this club before. We know that that's why, the, you know, uh, the, 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 the owners had to come in and buy the stadium back for us because we lost that when we went into administration. We've got to talk. And we, we mentioned before about Newcastle. Totally understand how Newcastle um, hated Mike Ashley, but he left them financially in a in a good position. And we can't just, you know, we, we have got a few loans out anyway, but we can't just go down that road and risk losing everything. No, and that's the thing. Like, you know what? Like, I think we've we've kind of talked about it beforehand. And I feel like, we're in this we're in this season where you know we're not going to finish in the top four we're not going to get relegated so we're going to be somewhere mm -hmm. in the middle it's just going to be that season and there's yeah. no point of going out in the January window when you know price for players is you know doubled or tripled what their normal cost would you know what they would normally cost and go yeah. out and spend big there really is no re rhyme or reason for it 
you know, we're looking at a window right now where we're going to, if we're bringing a player, he's going to come in on loan. Yes. Simple as that. Is a player going to come in on loan? I wouldn't even be shocked if we do bring a player in on loan because the funds aren't there. Um, So when you look at, you know, you just got to play it smart because we, I was like, we were talking before we started recording summertime's going to come around. The window's going to open. Let's be serious. We've talked about it already. Thielman's probably going to leave. He's going to fetch a few. He's going to fetch a good return. You know, possibly a few other players leave who could fetch other good returns. You know, we could be looking at a summer window where we have a you know plenty of cash to spend. You know, mm. to really buffer up our squad again. So, you know, do you deal with one year of of frustration and struggling uh, instead of you know going back into debt? I would. I'd do that a hundred times, you know, no questions yeah. asked because at the end of the day, why go in debt when you don't have to? Yeah, no, totally. I mean, there's only really Newcastle that are, are seeming to be spending a lot, big, big amount of money. And you know, Mike says here, could this loss of money um, bring administration back to the club? No, because, you know, the, this, they're so good. You know, they've, for, you know, I always say businessmen run football clubs, Supposedly, the businessmen are supposed to run them like their businesses, but they don't. They build them like a favorite hobby and they just throw money, throw money. Our owners are, are, are well, you know, the company was well run. Um, and, you know, they, they said, in fairness to Brendan, they said right from the start, Zach, we need a centre back, but we're only going to get one in on loan. And he, he hasn't, you know, said anything different to that. And, you know, and I think we all, we all understand why that is you know is the case and i and that's one thing that i did see for pretty much as soon as the window began to open um is brandon saying this is what we need but i just don't know how we can do it and with him saying that up front at the beginning of the window instead of saying um oh we're gonna do this we're gonna do this and it turns out with we we came home with nothing i Mm -hmm. That's one thing I will appreciate Brendan saying, at least up front, this is the reality of the situation instead of trying to string everybody along and saying, oh, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, and then just come out with nothing. Yes, yes. I mean, I remember last time we were in this position, we ended up with Ryan Bennett, which Mm -hmm. (laughs) he was bad, but he wasn't, I don't think he was bad as, as everybody else was saying, but... I just think, you know, you knocking on people's door and saying, like, you know, can we borrow your, your central defender? You know, you, you've, you're going to end up with not the best because you're only going to take him on loan for six months. So like with Ryan Bennett, it's going to be somebody else's sort of, you know, substitute uh, players, if you like, that they keep on the bench. Um, but, uh, uh, Alex, the problem for me as well is, is that money, because if anybody was available for us to buy they know, I think, that, well, Newcastle might pop along. And if Newcastle knock on the door, they're just going to add five million onto the price anyway because they know they can afford it. And that is going to affect a lot of other teams. Yeah, it does. But at the same time, I feel like when you look at it in the sense of, like, Newcastle goes goes to a club and approaches them and says, hey, we're interested in this player, they might quote them for a higher price. And the only reason is they know they have money. Leicester City right now doesn't have any money. Our transfer budget's pretty much shot after bringing Investigard, you know, late in yeah. last in the last in the in the summer window. So you know, for us, it might be lower, but they might not be willing to sell to us prior, you know, mainly because you have all these other clubs that are willing to spend extra money. Yeah. Um, 
So it complicates things because, you know, we're kind of, we're kind of, you know, tied to, you know, whatever funds we do have. So like I said, this window is kind of a write-off for us as weird as it sounds, because we just don't have the funds in order to bring in any players whatsoever. Um, And I feel like, you know, when the summer, summertime does come and, you know, the window opens and, you know, we, if we do see players leave, it might, you know, it might change again because all of a sudden we have these funds. If we go to a couple of clubs and be like, Hey, we're interested in this player. They go, we know you got X amount of dollars for, you know, X, Y, and Z, you know, you know, it's going to be an extra 15 mil for this guy. And you're like, what? (laughs) You know, but in January he was, he was 25 million cheaper. Like what's going on here? So that's business. I get it. Yeah. I I get get that's business as annoying as it is, but yeah, I think, I mean, we did spend, and I'm going to stick with you if you don't mind for this one, uh, Alex, because we, we, we touched on it earlier, um, and that's a Vestergaard. I mean, you know, we, we've, we've, we, we, you know, we wouldn't have bought Vestergaard, I don't believe, if um, Fafana hadn't got injured. And, you know, you've got to admire the club, first of all, for... Acting within a, within a week of him, him sort of getting the broken leg for Farner, we'd got Vestergaard in. Um, problem was that he'd come from Southampton, a team that we stuck nine goals past. He was in that game. Ryan Bennett's got an excuse. He got sent off after 17 minutes. Uh, he could say, it wasn't there. It wasn't me. It was only 1-0 when I went off. But... Um, it, so that I think was t- that was fifteen million that we weren't intending on spending. And if you do go out and get a, you know another centre back, when everybody's back and fit, and there will hopefully come that time, we're just going to have a team of of defenders. Yeah, I, I really do look at Vestergaard as a panic buy. Like mm. case in point, you know, with Fafana going out, Evans was dealing with injuries. It just seemed like the logical next step in looking for a centre back, and. Yeah. You know, I feel like there would be a lot of plenty, uh, plenty other options in order to to get a center back. But spending 15 million on Vestigard and then seeing what he's produced is is quite upsetting. Um, you know, the fact that you're looking at a player who, you know, who is as tall as as anything, you know, and he can't, you know, he he's he's an aerial, um, he's not an aerial threat. You know, he, he brings up more problems in the air as much as he does on the on the ground. And that's concerning considering, like I said, his height. Um, and yeah. you're having players slot in ahead of him who are not familiar possibly with the with the positioning. You know, like for me personally, I'd rather see Chowdhury in his position at center back prior to putting yeah. in Vestigard. Um, yeah. So it's quite frustrating to see because, like I simply put, Vestigard was a panic buy. And if, you know, if we took maybe an extra day or two to really look at the situation after the Fofana injury and be like, do we really want to spend 15 million here? You know, I think there was options within the club that you could have utilized much better. You know, yes. who's to say that we used a player like Brunt or something, you know, these up and coming kids, you know, these young talents being like, you know, we're strapped for cash. We don't want to spend our remaining you know, transfer budget on a player. Why don't we use one of our, you know, one of our, our younger yeah. kids to yeah. like, I'm just spitballing here. But it really has caused an issue because you know we're in the win- we're in this January window now where we don't have a we don't have a transfer budget like there's no. there's nothing yeah. and you know we're looking at where we're seeing issues and we can't resolve those issues and we still look at our center back 
um, you know, issues, and they're still there. Um, yeah. And it's like, well, Vestigard's not really providing any any more. Isn't fixing the solution. It's like watching like it's like watching a massive leak occur from like a pool or something, and you're slapping on a piece of tape that has no business being the tape that you're supposed to use. So mm. you know, it's like using painter's tape on on like a water spill on a, on a huge crack and water's flowing out. Yeah. The painter's tape ain't going to do much for it. So you know, it, it's kind of it's frustrating because it just seems like you know at the at the end of the window, uh, the summer at the end of the summer window, it seemed like you know for me personally, and I, I feel like there's a plenty of people across Twitter that are saying that we had such a successful window. And you look at that now, you know, six months later, give or take, and you go, eh, because yeah. we did bring in some promising players, but you know, some of those players turned out to be a bust. Investigard seems to be like the the king of the uh, of king of that right now. We we do like to always have one scapegoat at Leicester, though. But yeah. Zach, <laughs> Alice made the point there, and I thought Chowdhury played really well when he was asked to play in that uh, role, and whether that was just the fact that. You know, his attitude was, I'm going to just kick this ball into row Z to get it away rather than pass it about the back a few times. But Brendan Rodgers came out and said great things about Chowdhury and playing in that role and then doesn't play him in the next game. It's it's nuts. It's like, I just wish that there was a lot more consistency in the back. Um, and if he was doing good in that role and Vestigar wasn't, I was... We should have like tried tried it again. It's like, hey, you did well in this role. Let's go ahead and put you back in there, uh, Hamza. Yeah. And it's just this. I sometimes I don't know what he's thinking. <laughs> I think we all do that. I mean, Mike said this here. You have to understand, like Chris just said, how impactful Wesley Fosfana's injury has been. Uh, it's been the occurrence of Vestergaard and also now being a lot more stale in the defence. And I think you got to add into that as well. The fact that there hasn't been a settled defence. I don't think we played the same back two, two games running um, uh, uh, this season. And I think for me, Fafana's injury has had as much as it, well, more probably of an impact than uh, Van Dyke's did at Liverpool. I agree. Uh, go ahead, Alex. No, go ahead. So um, I feel like that with Fofana's injury, it just felt like we were kind of resting our defense on him, especially with we're having some issues with a Soyuncu, um, either through injury, through international duty or red cards from the previous season. It's just we were thinking, okay, he's going to be our shining spot of the defense. And once Fofana went out, it's like we don't know what we're going to do. So as Alex said, we brought in Vestigard, um, trying all these different combinations between 20 to 30 uh, different pairings in all competitions for the defense, there's not a way for anyone to gel. There's not any way for anybody to figure out, hey, you do good at this, let me go ahead and do this. Everyone's just trying to figure out their role practically every single match, and that's what's setting us up for failure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, Alex, you were nodding in agreement there. I mean, we've... Bertrand has had an operation. Um... And he he's disappointing me because I you know preseason he, he looked good, you know we've still got Pierre out we've got um, Castagna out still the farmers on the edge, like I say all these things in a normal season if we'd had the team that should have been available to us, I think we're looking at 
fifth or sixth in the league at the moment. Oh, absolutely. I think the injury crisis that we've had is just, it's super, you know, it, it sucks because, you know, it's something that you just can't control. But at the end of the day, you can't really blame injuries for where, yeah. you, are, where you are in the table. Um, one of the things that I was actually thinking of is that, you know, as us as supporters of Leicester City, we always made, you know, made the point that that Johnny Evans was the quarterback um, on the on the D line, and I think what this season has really shown me is that for sure Evans brings so much, but I really do think that Wesley Fofana is the glue that keeps that you know that back four together. Mm. Um, and because and I say that because when Johnny Evans came back, we were still dis- a disaster on defense. Yes. And that's one thing that really shocked me because I always was saying, you know, Evans is the one that's going to keep us together. Evans is is the quarterback. He's the general. He he gets everyone mm. in the line. But when Evans came back, nothing really fixed. It was like, oh, we're just as bad with Evans as we were without him. So I, I'm very interested to see that, you know, if Lafana is fully fit eventually and he can come back into the sign, uh, side, you know, we'll see if he could actually, you know, figure this defense out and kind of sort it all out. Because yeah. that's that's the curiosity that I have now is that well clearly Evans isn't the only one that kind of figures that has this defense sorted. If Fafana comes in and sorts it out, then we figured it out. But I'm gonna remain in judgment until I actually see it happen yeah. because I've known to bite myself, you know <laughs> bite myself <laughs> on numerous occasions. So um it'll be interesting to see, but I think Fafana is 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 critical, absolutely yeah. critical for our yeah. club. What well, I mean, as, as Rennie said there, Zach, um, and we'll bring it to, to, to a close with this and one more, one more question. You know, mm-hmm. Fafana's been linked with a move away, even though he's not playing. <laughs> so hopefully we'll see him. But what I want to end is, and I don't know if it was Michael, somebody said to me the other day, would, would you take Maguire back? Um, now... Well, yeah, I, I actually said not for £80 million, I wouldn't, no. But I don't think that Man United got the Maguire or have the Maguire now that we sold them. And I think had he stayed at Leicester, uh, and I understand him wanting to go uh, to Man United, of course, but I think had he stayed at Leicester, it would have probably kept his head on the ground a bit more. Uh you, I think you're both nodding your head, but Zach, first of all, would you take him back? If it was, let's say, it was like 30 million. I would probably say no more than 20 to 25 million if we took him back. Mm. And and uh, uh, Alex? I would roll in a broken fridge and that would be my offer. <laughs> we could offer them Perez. We would swap him for Perez, maybe. Yeah, he's actually in the fridge. You open the fridge, and he's in there. <laughs> and he has like the confetti, and he throws it in the air, and that's like the swap. Yeah, Mike says there. Uh, now you can have him for free, Chris. <laughs> it, I well, I can say I don't think they, uh, they they did get one season out of him, but I think his his head has been turned, guys. As always, thank you very much. Um, we'll do it again in a month's time. Let's hope we've got a nicer February to look at, maybe a couple of European wins. And uh, Mike says, he doesn't actually say it. He says it in a different way, but I won't read that out. But he says, um, go away. They don't want Perez. 
which I kind of get. Um, but yeah, hopefully we're going to be looking at the end of February, maybe a, a couple of European wins through to the next round and uh, maybe a, a still in the FA Cup. Uh, but first of all, let's, um, one at a time, Zach, how can people find you? So I can be found on Twitter and Instagram at the handle that's displayed on screens, Splunk ATO. Um, I will discuss not only things about Leicester City, but also some things about the MLS. Yeah, brilliant. And uh, Alex, how can people find you? So you can find me on Twitter, uh, Canadian underscore Foxes. I speak and talk about everything Leicester City uh, and with the Canadian soccer or Canadian football uh, club as well, uh, national team, as we uh, as we uh, trudge along to uh, Qatar for the World Cup this year. Brilliant, brilliant. Rich, oh, you, you mentioned Maguire and all the Man United fans come out the woodwork. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Rich. Um, I was trying to take him back, but my, my two, two, two uh, uh, colleagues didn't want him. And uh, I tried to throw you in. What about Mike? I know you didn't want Perez. Well, what if we do a deal? Two for one, Perez and Vestergaard from Maguire. I think that's a fair deal, isn't it? <laughs> guys thanks so much for popping on and giving up your time and uh, really really do appreciate it guys they are uh, Leicester fans give them a follow on Twitter the handle's there the handle's also in the description on the YouTube uh, channel as well be sure to give them a follow thanks very much guys and I will see you in a month's time we do thank you thank you very much yes. thanks so much guys so thanks to, to, to Alex, thanks to Zach there, um, giving up the time from the uh, other side of the pond. Um, and thanks to everybody for popping in, Mike. Thanks for your comments. Uh, <laughs> I'm not showing your previous comment. I am not. It, it, it is swearing. You're a very, very naughty boy. Uh, I'm disappointed in you, Michael. Disappointed. I'm going to be back in 50 minutes, and we're going to have um, the Big Fat Football Quiz, part one. Um, Wolves, we're running out of teams in the Premier League. So we're coming up to the final table. We had Crystal Palace last week. Uh, didn't do quite well, came bottom. Wolves, Sweet and Sour Soccer are going to be coming on and answering the questions, can they knock Anki off the top? We will find out in an hour. Thanks so much for watching. Stay safe, everybody. Um, I'm not even going to ask what you mean by that, Mike. <laughs> Knowing you, Mike, it probably isn't good. It isn't good. We're going to be back in 50 minutes with the quiz. I'll see you then. Thanks for watching and thanks for joining in and for listening as well. Bye-bye. Thanks for watching Lester Till I Die. This is Chris saying goodbye and see you next time.
think it's all over. It is now. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.